Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Napetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice. How's it going, everyone? I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We've got a good episode on tap for you guys, but boys, just got to check in, see how are y'all doing on this very hot Wednesday evening? So far, so good. Just, you know, getting through the week. It's It's been a busy week, but it's always nice to be back on the air talking some sports with you boys. So very happy to be here. Loaded show today. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, uh, and I, I don't think we should dilly-dally any longer because banter is not fun. <laughs> okay, all right, so let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about TCU's win on Saturday versus Houston. We'll also be recapping uh, this past weekend from NCAA, the college football world, and looking ahead to this weekend. We'll also be looking ahead to TCU and SMU while also talking about the NFL. So plenty of stuff to talk about here. But first, we'll talk about those TCU Horn Frogs getting their first Big 12 win of the season beating Houston 36-13 to on the road on Saturday. It was a pretty solid performance for the Horned Frogs, welcoming Houston to the Big 12 and, you know, kind of silencing all that excitement for, for Houston pretty quickly. Um, I thought Imani Bailey was really an important piece to the Horned Frogs winning this game. He had a tremendous game, going for 23 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. He was very physical and has, has truly turned into something special here in the early going as TCU, you know, was trying to replace Kendra Miller. Good game for Chandler Morris as well. The defense didn't allow a touchdown, but I'll open it up to you guys. What are your initial thoughts about this win for the Horn Frogs? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I I felt like this was probably the first game of the season so far that TCU really put together a full 60 minutes of a football game, Um, you know, against Colorado, there were drives and moments in the game where we weren't really paying attention. And same thing against Nickel State. There were a couple moments where we just weren't on our game, but I felt like this game TCU had full control of the, the, the entire time. And, And again, I think what was great to see was the passing game got going and it was consistent. The running game was as good as it has been this season Um, with Amani Bailey, Trey Sanders. I mean, those two, I, I feel like could be one of the best, you know, the the best tandems, backfield tandems in all of college football. And then also special teams, aside from the the defensive side of the special teams, again, I just felt like this sat, this last Saturday against Houston was probably the best all-around game that TC's put together. Yeah, it never felt like uh, Houston was within arm's reach of TCU, even whenever it was 13-10 to 10 after that kickoff return that Houston got uh, in the second quarter. It still kind of felt like TCU was in full control, and they were. They came down. They had a really good offensive drive right after that. Uh, it, yeah, just as I was saying, no, no, no. it never really felt like a threat. On my couch, I was sitting back, leaning, leaning back on the couch. Never once was I sweating, it felt like, you know? Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable. I thought, you know, TCU could definitely – pulled this through and especially after that first drive where they got off to a quick quick start going up seven nothing early and yeah I mean for me I I liked what I saw from Chandler Morris as far as him using his legs that's something that he's been talking about how he's we've talked about this last week is about him being a lot more decisive 
and um, he's he's obviously a very quick quarterback. He's not easy to bring down, and that's a weapon that he can utilize. And we certainly saw that on Saturday, and of course the big game from Imani Bailey. It seems as if TCU's running game will be the strength of this offense, as we've now had a, a small a small sample size, but I think large enough to be able to see the potential of where this offense can go. Another thing, too, is it was nice to see Savion Williams sort of have a breakout game here. He had a nice touchdown catch and a beautiful throw by Chandler Morris as well, right into the pocket of Savion Williams, and he's going to be pretty important for this offense moving forward. Who is uh, Chandler Morris's uh, mental coach, and how do we get his phone number? I I don't know how we could get his phone number. He's done a great job. Yeah, we're going to give him a lot of uh, gratitude. We we can give him a nice round of applause here because uh, last two games have been quite good for Chandler. I have never heard. This is the. I guess we should have talked about it last week, but I have never heard of a of a mental coach. Have you all heard of a mental coach? Those those have always been known in in my realm of the world as uh, as therapists or counselors. Is mental coach another word for for that? Yeah, I I mean for for Chandler, it's more of just kind of having someone there that can reaffirm that he's able to run. And I feel like you know, I mean, him coming out and saying that. I mean, we we talked about it on the last show, right? It's you know, he's been working closely with his mental coach and with Kendall Bryles, and they've been kind of reaffirming to him that look. Dude, you can run and you have the ability and you don't just need to run when the pocket collapses. But if you feel like there's a spot and there's a space for you to to escape the pocket and make a rush for it, you can do it. They're kind of giving him that green light. And honestly, I mean, I think what we saw on Saturday against Houston was probably the best balance between Morris taking off when he needed to because of the pocket collapsing, but also taking off on his own kind of, you know, surge of him saying, look, I, I want to run here. This is a good opportunity because I don't just want to see Morris be a reactive quarterback running when that pocket breaks down. I want to see him kind of taking the lead and and really rushing when he sees fit. And as long as he does that, then I trust him. Yeah, there should be a, a time and a place sort of not doing it because you feel like you need to, whereas you see that with a lot of quarterbacks is they rely too heavily on their on their legs instead of taking a check down where you could have picked up a first down instead you run right into a sack or something like that so yeah but to answer your question Seth, I think mental coach I think I feel like you would see that often with baseball because baseball is a pretty mental game and I I could totally see that you know for baseball players and I'm sure it's the case for any sport because mentally if you're not confident in yourself it's not going to always reflect on the field. So that's that's a very important thing to have is to be able to believe in yourself that you can go out there and compete at a high level. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying this to diminish the job of mental coach, yeah. Yeah. but I, whenever I think of mental coach, have you all seen those videos of that mentalist dude that goes into the locker rooms of like professional teams? Yeah. And then they're like, I know that you're thinking of the number 32 and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> how do you know that? Yeah, this might be a different sort of coach. <laughs> Slightly for, different for Chandler. You're telling me that Chandler Morris's mental coach doesn't go on like Jimmy Fallon and blow. He doesn't do magic. Uh, let's say that. Uh, but so far, he's been working magic. I mean, seeing Morris run the ball well has been great. And I want to touch on the running game, especially as well with Amani Bailey and Trey Sanders. I know we've kind of touched on it um, just 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 prior to this, but Amani Bailey's averaging 6.3 yards per rush this season. Woo! Wow, that is. Pretty tremendous. Um, comparing Amani Bailey to Kendry Miller, they're 
slightly different runners. I think Amani Bailey is more of a guy that can bounce out wide, but both of them are very north-south guys that have a lot of bursts. And that's that was one of my concerns, to be honest, was seeing how Amani Bailey would really take up this primary running back role after Kendra Miller had 1,300 yards last season. Um, but no, he's been great. And again, having Trey Sanders there is right now being the second back, I mean, if Trey Sanders is your second back and he's producing a lot, I mean, that's great to see. And also, it, it, it provides a lot of healthy competition. Um, but no, this running game has just been wonderful. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where it can go because it's been really consistent in these first three games. Yeah, and that is the key to a good offense. you got to be able to run the football, right? I mean, that's something, you know, it's pretty standard knowledge. But yeah, having Trey Sanders, Sanders as your number two is is pretty good. And I think another thing, too, is the chemistry between the running backs and the offensive line seemed to be really solid. We went to the press conference, Ian and I went to the press conference on Tuesday, and Willis Patrick, TCU offensive lineman, was one of the players in there, and he spoke about how grateful Imani Bailey is for the offensive lineman, and it seems that, you know, he said that he's one of the best running backs that he's ever, you know, seen on his teams, and certainly that's something you like to see is a running back that's appreciative of his offensive linemen and they could feed off each other and have really good chemistry because that's that is something that I think goes a little under un, underlooked under notice so absolutely uh kind of to pivot more into a big picture look out of what this game means uh TCU's offense obviously was very good really as, as we mentioned before uh in these last 10 minutes just never really let Houston get back in the game but big picture uh, TC 1-0 now in Big 12 play. Uh, if you look at the Big 12 standings right now, if you want to yell stop the count, uh, TC's at the, at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, going forward now, and this game really instilled a lot more confidence in me going, going forward uh, into SMU, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the hour. Uh, but yeah, we we talked about Colorado and we talked about Nickel State the past two weeks, and it, I really feel like all those conversations really had a down. We were really down during those conversations. It's like, well, TCU played good here, but there was a lot of stuff where they were just not looking that great. But to, to this game, yes, while the turnovers did hamper TCU yet again, and that's something that they're going to really have to clean up because they're really good right now, but they're not sharp in those really the certain pressure situations it feels like uh it feels like there's a couple times a game where uh there's a key turnover at a in a really bad spot we saw that in colorado those two end zone interceptions so tcu's gonna have to clean those things up but on a down to down basis against houston they just killed them it was it was just a suffocating performance uh tcu had over 500 yards of offense it that's gonna and so far, we've seen this offense has put up really good statistical numbers. And going into SMU, and we'll talk about this more a lot in this later on in the hour, uh, it feels like that game's going to be a very offensive-driven game where there might not be a lot of stops. That's something that's going to have to continue. Yeah, and, and one thing, just talking about that offense that we've seen, and, and especially against Houston, I mean, one thing that Chandler Morris and this offense has been consistent in is spreading the ball right I mean we we came into this season with a very what seemed to be a depleted kind of wide receiver core after so many guys from last season had left gotten drafted um, undrafted free agents guys like that but based off of what we've seen so far I mean Morris found 10 receivers different receivers against Colorado he found 12 different receivers against Nichols State and then at Houston he found 10 other guys and so one thing that I'm that 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 really 
kind of instill some confidence from my end into this offense is saying, look, we've got some depth on this team. And, you know, injuries have been an issue over the last couple of weeks. And you know, I, I know Sonny was saying that, look, this this game against Houston was really the first week that everyone was healthy. Seeing the way that we can spread the ball on offense, finding tight ends, finding some of your secondary or third or, 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 or third string wide receiver sometimes, it's great to know that Morris has that trust and confidence in those guys to spread the ball effectively. Yeah, that's certainly something that was good to see. And it was nice to see a fully, like you mentioned, a fully healthy receiving core. Because I think the offense is going to have, after times, will have to carry the defense. And it could very well be the case on Saturday. But sort of shifting over to the defense a little bit, they didn't allow a touchdown for the second consecutive week. Now, obviously, they were not good against Colorado. The last two weeks, they've been really solid. Now, we have a challenge here but with SMU but moving forward where's your guys's confidence level with the TCU defense as far as you know where they can go I think it's a lot higher given what we've seen from Colorado the last couple of weeks and how potent that offense has seemed at times uh just how they killed Nebraska too uh Colorado State there was some lulls but in the end you really saw the the clutchness of that Colorado offense uh, against any defense it seems now we'll see what Colorado does against Oregon and USC and everything like that but yeah a lot of confidence uh, especially against a Big 12 opponent in Houston obviously it's their first Big 12 game they were coming off a loss to Rice the defense has not been good for Houston this year but still uh, there's some confidence to go into Big 12 to play especially which is another thing I think we'll talk about a little bit later on is how down the league seems to be and that it's right for the taking uh, and the defense if it can continue to have performance like this TCU is going to be in a good good uh, a good situation going forward. Yeah, and with, with this defense, I think that Colorado game, just touching on what you've said there, Seth, it was it was the one game where we had to shake off some of the rust, right? And I mean, it was it was exactly, it's not, sorry, it's not exactly what we expected. I expected the, the defense to perform much better on that opening game against Colorado. But now seeing how they've responded against Nichols State, not giving up a touchdown, and then against Houston, not giving up a touchdown again and getting, um, and, 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 and getting a turnover um, thanks to, what was it Bud Clark on the interception? Yeah. Bud right? Clark Island. Right? Stock prices are, are rising on Bud Clark Island. I mean, this defense now, you're starting to see that rust kind of just fade away, and you're seeing the same defense from last year. I think one thing that was a huge issue in week one was the tackling. I had never seen worse tackling from a from a team than TCU against Colorado, but they've completely changed that. I think tackling has been much better. They're quicker to getting to their receivers once those receivers get a hold of possession and stopping them right there, which was a huge problem early on. Yeah, and also the veterans, I feel like, are really stepping up. Like you mentioned, Bud Clark with the interception did a great job reading that pass there. Um, And, of course, Johnny Hodges seems to be really be that leader on the defensive end. So it's important that the returners sort of cement themselves in – really push this defense to be the best that they can be because yeah we're, we're gonna need it it's it's hopefully what I'm hoping for for this defense is that it's a bend but don't break mm-hmm. it's there's opportunities there where you might bend a little bit but if you can hold them to a field goal just giving the offense a chance because like I mentioned I think the offense will be the stronger part of this team but 
I was I'm very pleased with what the defense is doing so far. They're going to have a big test. I think the elephant in the room, though, that we might be not, not ignoring, but that we should address is the quarterbacks that TCU has faced the past two weeks. One, the lefty legend, Mr. McQuaid yeah. of of Nickel State, love yeah. that guy. Uh, I wish him the best moving forward. And then Donovan Smith, who uh, is a very one dimensional player, in my opinion. Uh, you're, he's not going to stretch the field with his arm per se, right? But you're going to go against a lot of other quarterbacks that are a whole lot better than Mr. Lefty Southpaw McQuaid and uh, Donovan Smith. And one of them is coming up this next week. And then there's Quinn Ewers later on the schedule and stuff like that. And we saw, and this is only the one data point that we have against, like, I'm going to say a a top-tier quarterback, Shadur Sanders. He ate him up, right? And that's one data point. It's the first week of the season. And maybe it's something that we're all going to throw in the garbage later on in the year when we get some more data points of how TCU's defense performs against some better uh, and more talented quarterbacks. Uh, But it's certainly something to keep an eye on, especially heading forward into SMU and then moving on into the Big 12 schedule. Yeah, and but but e- even with that though, Seth, I mean, even though we've faced perhaps not, you know, two two of the not, you know, so good teams um in the nation, I mean, it gives this defense the confidence well, absolutely. early, right? Absolutely. And and again, I think seeing what this defense has done, we've applied so much more pressure from that defensive line, you know, whether or not the quarterback's one dimensional or if they have a depleted wide receiving core on 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 the other team's end. I mean, getting these guys a confidence early on is hopefully going to spur them on to go forward. Well, yeah, certainly so, especially coming off, you know, Colorado. And we've talked about that extensively. I, I'm just pointing out maybe a potential, you know, a talking point going forward. And, oh, yeah, for and sure. How, you know, while it might seem rosy now, it certainly could get worse. But yep. also, as you said, the confidence that this brings uh, to the defense could spur off some really nice performances. And if you're a TCU fan and if you're in that TCU locker room, you certainly hope that that is the case. Yeah, so that will do it here for our recap here for TCU beating Houston 36-13. to We're going to take a quick break, and then coming up we'll talk about week three of the NCAA season and look ahead to week four. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 The Choice. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to ditch the car and start rollerblading to work. I look ridiculous. You look ridiculous! You don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your organs on the black market. Lie back. This is gonna hurt. Yeah, that hurts. You don't need to rent out your apartment to drifters. I made a fire with the wood in your bedroom. That's my dresser! And your closet door. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. We're here at the KTCU studios in Fort Worth, bringing to you guys episode four of the show. My name's Ian Nepetian, and I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We just got finished talking about TCU and Houston, recapping that game. It was a big win for TCU, and we'll look ahead to TCU's SMU coming up in the next segment. But there is a lot going on 
in the college football world from this last weekend, NCAA Week 2 football was pretty insane. Um, and I, I guess we can just start off simply looking at Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban probably feels like he's got a mess on his hands. He's probably not really sure exactly what he's going to do with it because Alabama kind of limped to a 17-3 to win over no, South Florida. God. Yeah, it no, was bad. God, please, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It was. Everything the, about that game was horrible. This, uh, that's the mood in Tuscaloosa right uh, now. There's, and we'll talk about the mood in Tuscaloosa, but I just want to touch on the shenanigans that happened in Tampa. Uh, well, one, there was a lightning delay that causes the camera crew for ESPN. They pull the camera guys, so now there's just two wide shots. We're just getting all 22 footage, and all I see is the first thing I see in this game is Tyler Buckner, who has started this game in lieu of Jalen Milrow, the Notre Dame transfer, and he's just every single ball, and you can barely see it because you're, we're looking at this game from the International Space Station. We we can't we I can see nothing. I just see little ants throwing a little <laughs> tiny pebble around. Uh, I see Tyler Buckner continually just throwing it out of bounds. He doesn't. There's not nothing is going correct for Alabama, uh, and whenever I. I ended up having. I had to look away from the game for about the la- the last uh, for the second half. Whenever I looked away, it was three nothing, and I was like, "Wow, that's certainly not where you would think uh, Alabama would be against South Florida." They end up pulling Tyler Buckner. Ty Simpson uh, comes into the game, doesn't really do much better. Uh, interestingly enough, Jalen Milrow never enters the game. Yeah, uh, which I've heard some. Varying reports, uh, there's been conflicting reports, I should say, about whether or not he was suspended for this game, but I will not, uh, hmm. I will not, uh, I'm not going to speculate on that, but he did not play in the football game. He is the starter now. He is starting against Ole Miss on Saturday, which is certainly uh, a development which we can get into a little bit more later on, but it was certainly a disaster. 17-3 win for Alabama. They do come away with the victory, but against the South Florida Bulls, who which that stadium was filled with uh, I'd say 75% Alabama yeah. fans. It yeah. was a lot of fan there was a lot of red in that stadium. I don't know if that was either fans or empty Raymond James stadium seats, but e- either either or uh Alabama you would think even on the road against South Florida would come up with a much more inspiring performance. Yeah, and I mean entering halftime who would have thought that the Alabama Crimson Tide and the South Florida Bulls would be tied at 3 apiece. I mean it was it was it was a shocking performance. I mean, throughout and, and starting early on, but I mean, fortunately for Alabama, they they pulled it together for for you know parts of the game and got that seventeen to three win. But yeah, I mean, using both quarterbacks, Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson, they come. I mean, combined, they went ten for twenty three for one hundred and seven yards. Yeah. I uh, mean, that's that's pretty disgusting. That, that makes <laughs> me want to vomit. And so there's some there's some stuff going on. We think. Uh, or at least I think, just from the outside looking in, in, in that in that staff, in that building. They had a players-only meeting uh, a couple days ago, and I saw a funny tweet. It was like, hopefully that's without the quarterbacks, because that's, <laughs> that's what's holding them back right now. Yeah. Those three quarterbacks. I, I mean, Alabama has a very talented roster. Everyone agrees that Alabama's roster is a top five, if not top two, most talented roster in the country, right? I'd say that that's probably true. Yep. But if you have subpar quarterback play, one of them is Jalen Milrow, who's extremely limited in what he's able to do. He can, pretty, he's a, he's an excellent runner. He has great speed. He's very athletic, but his passing ability is is not great. Then there's Tyler Buckner, who I'm going to be honest, guys. When I saw that he was transferring from Notre Dame, obviously he transferred 
from Notre Dame to go to Alabama because his offensive coordinator at Notre Dame was becoming the offensive coordinator at Alabama, so that makes a little bit of sense. But uh, I never saw anything great out of Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame. Uh, they lost to Marshall while he was the quarterback, and they lost uh, to Stanford while he was the quarterback there. Uh, so really didn't really understand why Tyler Buckner uh, – you know, would inspire a lot of confidence. And then Ty Simpson is just young and inexperienced. That's, I don't, Ty Simpson, there's not a lot to say about him. Yeah. I don't think Nick Saban really has a choice now. After seeing what he saw on Saturday, Gotta go back to Milrow. you have to. And I think it's so weird because Alabama has obviously been so dominant pretty much my entire lifetime. We're so used to seeing the Alabama Crimson Tide at the top of the college football world. And they've produced some, you know, some quarterbacks over the last few years that, you know, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, now Bryce Young. And so it's so weird to me that now we look at Bama and they have a quarterback problem. Well, it's, 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 sorry to cut you off there, uh, but it's kind of weird how everything comes full circle in terms of the Nick Saban era at Alabama. If you look at their national championships uh, from 09 to the the early, the late, uh, uh, the late O's, is that what you call them, I guess? O's? Zeros? Late 2000s. Late two th- there you go. What am I doing here? <laughs> the late late 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, a different era, admittedly, in college football, but the quarterbacks that Alabama was throwing out there uh, was the Greg McElroys of the world. A.J. McCarron was the quarterback for A. Alabama. A.J. McCarron. Uh, so, you know, certainly not Heisman caliber quarterbacks, right? Uh, but then, you know, they started getting those guys, Jalen Hurts, Tua, uh, Mac Jones, uh, Bryce Young, all those all those types of people. I mean, you, you look at the picture, there's that infamous picture of Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones all in Alabama uniforms uh, in the same locker room, right? That's crazy. Uh, but now, they're having that problem. And admittedly, if, you, if you're the Crimson Tide and you're, if you're Nick Saban, you have to know that with that quarterback room, it's almost impossible to compete for a national championship. You throw this team in the playoff, they're getting beat. Yeah, it's they've not instilled much confidence for me to believe in Alabama, not even just for the college football playoff, but even competing for the SEC, in my opinion. Well, I, SEC West did that, right? Yeah, Are they even going to win their division? I don't I, I mean, I don't want to speculate. I don't I, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, that to me was overall pretty disappointing and you just I mean, some people hope that they fail, you know, some people are going to prey on their downfall, but it is going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban pivots. This is definitely a, 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 a challenge that a unique challenge that he hasn't had to face in the last several years. So he's one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. If anyone could figure it out, it's him. But the quarterback problem might not be something that he can really fix this season. There might not be an easy fix to it right now immediately. Yeah. And honestly, uh, given his mannerisms and stuff like that, and this will be the last thing I say at Alabama. I kind of think that this is his last year. Really? Okay. We'll see. Interesting. Well, Alabama's going to have to bounce back moving forward. This just wasn't a very inspiring game. They're going to be coming up against some tough talent, playing against number 15 Ole Miss this Saturday. But talking about bouncing back, Kansas State's going to have some work to do after a real tough loss over against the Missouri Tigers and a 30-27 to loss at that Harrison Meavis with a game-winning 61-yarder. Harrison Meavis is a beefy kicker. Uh, he is. And he used all that beef to kick that ball 61 yards and yeah. through the uprights. 
and that came after Missouri took the most egregious delay of game I have ever seen in my life. That kick was made harder by the Missouri coaching staff. Uh, I don't know what happened, but like whenever the the play clock was kick, like uh, ticking down, and Missouri's offense was not on the field, and they just took the delay of game, which made it a sixty-one yarder. They threw him out there. And uh, he made it, and they win the freaking ball game. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, that sort of came as a surprise to me, and that comes after a year ago where he missed what, like a twenty-yarder? Yeah, I think. T- they t- yeah, it was against Auburn, and he just shanked it wide left. Yeah, so that had to have felt good for him and for Missouri. That's certainly a big-time win, and it just shows how weird the Big Twelve has been this season. I, I don't think many people thought Kansas State was going to lose to Missouri on Saturday, but they found themselves in that situation, and, well, now they've got some work to do as well. You know who also has work to do? A lot of the Big 12. They yeah. do. A lot of the Big they 12. Do. Let's yeah. let You know what? Let's name off some of the casualties from this weekend. Rest in peace, Iowa State. 10-7 to 7 losers to the Ohio Bobcats. Why are we playing a road game at Ohio? What are we doing? Are we not higher than this Iowa State? <laughs> South Alabama beats Oklahoma State 33-7. to Brutal. What is happening in Stillwater? We might never know. That's it, though, for this weekend. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, there I, we go. Yeah, it, it was, it's been tough for the Big 12, but it was good for a future Big 12 member with Hey-o. Colorado beating Colorado State 43-35. to I was up till... It was like 2 in the morning. Almost 2 in the morning watching this game... I mean, the whole nation can't get enough of Deion Sanders in Colorado. And frankly, I can't either. I was so entertained by this game. Look, Colorado was obviously favored by a lot. They should have probably beaten Colorado State by a lot more. But the fact that they bounced back after the offense was sputtering the entire game, go, what, 98 yards down the field, send it to overtime, and pull out a win against an in-state rival, that's impressive to me, and I got hats off again to Colorado. There's a lot of you know that we can talk about in terms of the game management here by Jay Norvell and the Colorado State Rams in terms of uh, why didn't you go for it on that fourth and what was it three two yards late in the game? They punted and they made Colorado drive 98 yards, and they did to tie the game. And then there's the first overtime where they. Get that touchdown after Colorado weirdly takes the ball to open the overtime, which is a whole other discussion in and of itself. They they get the touchdown, and they have the decision to either kick it or go for two and try to win the game. I feel like the consensus across America uh, was go for two, try to end the game now, because the longer you extend this thing, the less likely it feels that you have a chance. You are the inferior opponent. You are the road team in a very hostile environment, go out there and try and win it now. They didn't. They kicked it, and they ended up not winning the game uh, in the next overtime. But what a what a freaking game from from uh, Shadur Sanders in the end there to pull that out. And, and Colorado continues to impress me, even if it's against Colorado State. I am very impressed, and I'm all aboard the hype train. It's just a ton of fun. I'm glad that uh, this is happening because... Uh, it's brought a lot more fans to the sport. That was the most watched game of the week, and it started at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, 10.30 Eastern. Great teams find ways to win when they don't play their best brand of football, and I think that's what Colorado did. And and I'm I'm, you know, maybe putting one foot on the hype train here a little bit, but— hey, Hop on. Come join us. I mean, that's the thing is that— r- 
great teams find a way to win when they don't play their best, and that's what Colorado did. Yeah, double overtime against Colorado State. Not what you wanted by any means if you're Shadur Sanders or Deion Sanders um, or, frankly, anybody else on the on, on the Colorado Buffaloes football team. But they found a way to win, and that's what matters. I mean, this team clearly has a fight. Unfortunately for them, Travis Hunter took a big hit, wasn't able to finish the game, and will be out for a couple of weeks. But this is a team that was able to bounce back, adjust mid-game, and figure out how to win the football game, and I think that's really commendable. Can we get, uh, before we move on, can we get a Buffalo sound, Ian? Let's go. We, if you like that, folks, wherever you're listening or watching, then you need to root for Colorado every single week because we will do that every single week. Yeah, well, with Colorado getting their win, they now move to 3-0, and but they're going to have a really, really big test this coming weekend when they play up in Oregon the the what is it number 12 Oregon Ducks correct? number 10 ducks. number 10 Oregon Ducks all right and with that Seth I think we got to turn to you you have your college football dungeon but we've got this Seth's Saturday slate to pull up for y'all some of the biggest games to be on the lookout for this Saturday and Seth will give you guys a thorough explanation of where these games will be for him in his magical dungeon yes i will be in the dungeon in a different location the dungeon is moving locations it's like a tour you know coming to a city near you uh hopefully you know if we get big enough to where we can you know actually do that trade market yeah i know right anyway uh there's four different time slots and i have uh, a couple of games several games per each time slot that i have ranked in terms of how you know important it is for you to watch them if you have four screens then you can rank these from biggest screen you have in the house to smallest screen you have in the house so you can put one on your tv and one on like the the smart fridge yeah i think seth four screens is a lot that that's a lot. That's a lot of dedication. That might be a lot why of bandwidth. My, I'll tell you that, that might be why my internet's not working at home right now. So that is your your is my my set my slate here. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. hopefully your power doesn't go out again. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, all right, we'll start in the early 11 a.m. Central Time window. Uh, the number one game of the week for all of us here is SMU at TCU. We'll preview that uh, next segment. Uh, so we'll get really thorough into that one. Uh, next up, uh, and starting at 11 a.m. Also, number four. Florida State travels to Clemson in a battle of ACC powerhouses. That's a really uh, a big litmus test for Florida State. We saw them beat LSU, but can they beat Clemson? Clemson kind of on the upswing. They've had a couple of good performances in a row. We'll see how that goes. Next up, Auburn at Texas A&M, also starting at 11 o'clock. Uh, Texas A&M, interested to see how they do. Just always you know, fun to watch uh, how the folks down in College Station uh, play, and they're playing against Auburn, and I have a soft spot for Auburn, so that's why they are here. Can I ask why do you have a soft spot for Auburn? I'm just curious. Bo Nix is the reason I have a soft oh, spot for Auburn. Okay. So, so, but he's not there. Any- yeah, <laughs> he's not so there does that anymore. carry over soft to spot Oregon for Oregon? Now? <laughs> I like Oregon. Oregon too. But uh, Auburn, Bo Nix was the reason I, uh, I, I like Auburn. I have a soft, I have a shirt. I have an Auburn shirt. I'll be wearing it. Very nice. Uh, and then the last game here, you don't have to watch this one if you don't want to, but I'll just be keeping an eye on it. Number 16, Oklahoma plays Cincinnati on the road for uh, Cincinnati's opening Big 12 game. Uh, Fox Big Noon kickoff will be there, so uh, that will be a fun time. Next up is the midday slate. This will be starting at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, number 19, Colorado at number 10, Oregon. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, it's 
Colorado's biggest test yet. They passed the first one against TCU. They passed against Nebraska. They passed barely against Colorado State. And now, uh, it's not the final exam, but I'd say this is a nice little benchmark uh, for uh, Colorado to open up big, uh, Pac-12 play. Then number 15 Ole Miss travels to uh, Tuscaloosa to play number 13 Alabama. We kind of touched on this game a little bit as well. Uh, what is Alabama's offense going to look like against Ole Miss? Ole Miss is uh, uh, defensive backfield. Their uh, their DBs, their corners, and their safeties uh, are not very good, but. Fortunately for them, Alabama's passing game is not good either. Uh, then we got BYU at Kansas. BYU opens their Big 12 play against Kansas. Kansas is a ton of fun. I think y'all can agree with that. And I always will root for the Jayhawk football team as long as they uh, don't you know, become a national powerhouse. Uh, then number 22, UCLA, plays number 11, Utah. I don't really care about that one too much. In primetime, and then I'll wrap it up here in, pri- in the primetime window, and we do ha- we will have a graphic for this as well if you're watching on YouTube or if you just want to wa- uh, see it on Instagram or uh, on TikTok. Uh, number 6, Ohio State, plays at number 9, Notre Dame, probably the biggest game of the week, so that'll be fun to watch. Oregon State plays Washington State, keeping an eye on that one as well at 6 o'clock. And then number 3, Texas, uh, plays Baylor. Baylor, that's a wounded animal type situation for for them. Uh, they can't figure out what color they're going to wear to the game. Uh, I saw a lot of students were wanting a blackout. Then the administration said, no, we're, we wear green and gold. And then they're like, wait, no, we want a blackout. And they're like, well, we don't want to do a blackout. And then they might do a half blackout. And then there's going to be a lot of UT fans there. I'm talking really fast because uh, it's just a weird situation in Waco. Yeah. No, it, it, it sounds like there's going to be a real nasty color mashup there with some burnt <laughs> orange and some green and gold and black. So not really sure what we're going to expect down in Waco. There's not much going on going on in Waco for hey, that matter, but Magnolia Silos. Yes. Magnolias, yeah. That that was uh what is it? Fixer Upper, right? Yeah, Fixer Chip Upper. And Joanna. Yeah, yeah, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Shout out to Chip and Joanna they Gaines. They got the river there's a river in Waco. Yeah. Dr. Pepper. Yep. There you go. That's that's all I got, guys. Yeah. There are rivals, Seth. Okay. There are rivals. Waco isn't my rival. The the I can talk about Waco. Well, Waco, we'll have to save that for another segment, but that wraps up our talk about the NCAA Week 2 and our little look ahead to Week 3. Obviously, some massive, massive games this weekend, and we'll get into some of that action, talking about SMU at TCU in this next segment. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on KTCU on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. Everyone is talking about healthcare these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our healthcare system, Yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? Shifting to a system based on primary care can help fix the problem. Patients with a primary care doctor live longer, healthier lives and are less likely to suffer from cancer, heart disease, or stroke. Primary care that is comprehensive and coordinated also saves money. Patients who have a primary care doctor spend 30% less on health care than patients who don't, States with a high number of primary care doctors have lower health care costs and higher quality care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. Seth, I'm loving the new Post Malone. That new, that new album went hard. I, I love that album. It was really good. It was, it was 
very pleasing to hear from Posty once again. Yep. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on. We'll, 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 we'll move on. We'll, yeah. we'll get more of that later. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about TCU and SMU, the battle for the Iron Skillet in Fort Worth, Texas. Last year, TCU won. The year before, SMU beat us in our house. And the year before that? It, we were not here. Well, it, it, <laughs> exactly. We were not here, and neither was the Skillet because it didn't happen. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 2020. Yeah. That <laughs> I forgot was, about that. Yeah, that. yeah. So it was, it's, it definitely hurt in 2021. That was a bit painful. It was family weekend. You know, I brought my parents down. It was tragic to say the least. I was heartbroken, but last year was fun. This year is definitely a compelling matchup because SMU, I feel like, has gotten a lot better this season. Last week, they lost to Oklahoma 28 to 11. And well, they beat Prairie View A and M sixty nine nothing. Yeah, and last week. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. They, that that was that was last week. So now we come into this matchup, and I think it's very important for both teams. I think this kind of feels a little more personal, especially given the recent headlines that TCU, of course, you know, is sort of ending that matchup with SMU and and. I think next year is going to be the last matchup. So I think it's a little personal for SMU. And Sonny Dykes had talked about how he wanted that energy. He wanted his team to be excited about this game. He wanted them to bring the energy. So it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's going to be hot. It's going to, there's going to be, it's going to be very competitive, to say the least. And I'm curious to see, what are your guys' thoughts here about this game? Yeah, I mean, this SMU team, as, as Sonny was kind of talking about earlier this week, he said, look, they, they've improved a lot. Um, he even said this might be one of their best teams, like, in the last several years. He looks at this team, he says they're physical, they're mature, they've got a lot of veteran presence on the defense, something that the TCU offense that's very young, still trying to prove themselves, is going to have Definitely, definitely a tough crack at um, with that Mustang defense. But really looking forward to this game, hoping we can establish the the rushing game as we've talked about. I mean, Amani Bailey, Trey Sanders, they've been great this season. Um, trying to get that game going will really help our passing. Um, and again, just looking for Chandler Morris to once again show up on Saturday, be confident, run the ball, pass the ball with intent, and really spread the ball. Looking forward to Savion Williams and seeing what he can do this weekend. If there's anyone that I trust to tell me if that team is the most talented it's been in years, it's the team. It's the guy who recruited a lot of those veterans to that team, and that's Sonny Dykes. He knows uh, Preston Stone quite well. Uh, he knows a lot of other guys on that roster quite well. Jordan Hudson's a guy on yep. the offense uh, that he recruited at SMU that ended up coming to TCU and is now back at SMU. So it's going to be a a, a dogfight. SMU is going to come in hungry. They want this win, right? They they want it really bad. Uh, they want it every year really bad, and we've seen that they've quite honestly have been the team that's wanted it more. I thought the last four or five years. Right. And that's different. That's a different uh, kind of uh, vibe than TCU, the TCU SMU games have had for a, a number of years. Yeah. And I think coming off the back of what TCU did last season, making it to the national championship game, I think that's even a little more motivation for SMU to say, you know, we're here too. We're here to compete and I'm I'm really excited for this game. I think it's going to be a shootout. What Chandler Morris, of course, limiting the turnovers is going to be oh. so critical in this game. 
if we can limit the turnovers, I feel really good about this game. I Like I said, I think we're going to get an offensive showcase here from both sides. For the defense, it's going to be that bend but don't break. Yep, yep. And I, I, I feel that this game against SMU, after facing that Colorado, that Colorado defense, or that offense rather, our defense, TCU's defense, has had a little bit of a break to relax a little bit. Obviously, two offenses that weren't too impressive. But now you come against this SMU team. Again, Preston Stone is a quality quarterback. He's someone that likes to sit in the pocket but knows when to kind of get out of there. Um, he's got some really good offensive targets, just like we said, Jordan Hudson, former TCU guy. Too bad it didn't really work out here um, in Fort Worth. But now he's at SMU. We know what he can bring to the table and really this defense needs to get pressure on SMU. I feel like that's the only way that the defense that 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 our defense can really just bring a stop to this SMU offense. Um, and it really starts there. If you get pressure, you put Preston Stone under pressure, force him to get rattled, hit him once, hit him twice early on, let him know that hey, our D line is alive and well and kicking. Right? You got to do that early, establish yourself early, and then I'm hoping that. The, the 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 rest of the game will take care of itself. Yeah, to be quite frank, SMU outplayed Oklahoma, and you mentioned that game, uh, Zion, earlier. Uh, the final score is not indicative of how close that game was down the stretch. SMU had played a really, really good game in Norman against OU, and I and many others think that Oklahoma is much improved from where they were last year, and that defense and that offense is really something uh, to watch out for in the Big 12, and SMU played them really, really tough. So if that's going to be indicative of how the game's going to ha- go in Fort Worth, uh, then it's something to watch out for, and TCU's going to be in for a dogfight, Zion. I agree with you that there is going to be a lot of scoring in this game, I think. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of, and that's kind of how it's been uh, for for much of the last couple of games. Last year, uh, there was a lot of offense the year before that. It really didn't seem like there was a stop to be seen anywhere. So I think that there, and we'll get to our score predictions when we round out the hour, but I think a lot of points are going to be scored. Yeah, TCU put up 42 points last year. That. You know, it was a pretty high number, and at t- I think we could totally see this game even coming down to the last second. I've said it's going to be a shootout, a lot of offense. I think it's going to probably come down to who has the ball last. Of course, special teams being able to take advantage, win the field position battle, win time of possession. All those little things are going to be really important, and I think this will be a really good test to see Truly, where does TCU stand? Because a win here feels really good about where you are moving forward as you resume Big 12 play. A loss might have us second-guessing ourselves, and certainly there's time to bounce back. But yeah, a big win here would, would go a long way moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and again, with this TCU team, right, I, I think one thing that I want to see them clean up is just special teams in general. Um I guess on the defensive side of special teams that we saw against Houston on the kicking game and in, in, in the punting game, TCU gave up a lot of return yards. And, and, it, and it's something where, again, it I mean, we're harping on the basics because the basics are what win you the football games, right? Establish the running game. Get get pressure on, on Preston Stone. Don't make, you know, silly, you know, discipline penalties. But these are all the things that players and coaches and fans will point to when you lose the games that you're supposed to win, right? And again, that's why we're harping on them, even though they're the basics of football. But this return special teams group needs to tighten up because what we saw against Houston wasn't it. But really excited for this game. Again, 
going back to the turnover talk, look, Chandler Morris needs to kind of work on that ball security a little more. I mean, it's been a point of emphasis, so it's not like they're not working on it. They understand that it's been a problem, but you got to be careful, especially in the red zone. We've seen way too many red zone turnovers, um, poor reads, and and, and some just really poor decision-making. But looking forward to TC trying to really bounce back and, and continue this this good run of form against SMU. Yeah, certainly you want to be able to build off of that. What I'm curious, though, and I kind of want to bring this up to you guys, with SMU moving – when Seth, do you know when SMU's going to the 24 ACC? next year. So they're going to the ACC next year. Do they – do you think this is a game where they feel that they – as a step for them to prove that they belong there and sort of like, hey, we're not going away. We're just as dominant as TCU can be because TCU's kind of just been the bigger football program the last few years. Does a win like this say, hey, SMU is right there toe-to-toe with TCU? What's funny is I bet you they would say that same exact thing for the wins they got in 19 and uh, 21, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I certainly think that, and I'm not, I'm not in tune with the the fan base or you know the athletic department or how that football team feels about itself uh, at all. Pretty much, uh, the only things I see are some quick arguments on Twitter, and then I'm like, well, you know, this is not my time or place, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a I'm a dip. But yeah, I think that a win here certainly validates a lot of their feelings about how they think about themselves, right? SMU, since the 80s, since the death penalty, and since the end of the Southwest Conference, has always wanted to be back in a power conference, and that's where they're going to find themselves next year. However odd it might be that they're in the Atlantic Coast Conference and they're in downtown Dallas. But uh, <laughs> it's certainly a win here on the road against your rival who is refusing to play you after next season, right? Yep. Uh, it's going to—it would feel good on the hilltop, I'd, I'd say. I'd say that that is certainly a true statement. I have to say, though, Seth, those interactions I've seen between the TCU and SMU fans on— on the X app have been yeah have been very entertaining like I've I'm digging it I'm just sitting back enjoying this feud because it's personal I really it's so it's personal not just for the team but I think the fans as well because there's just something about Dallas versus Fort Worth that you mean University Park sorry have to, have to throw they're not in dallas guys they're in university park their address is university park i just gotta i if i were to get on a soapbox right now i would i would talk about this but i'm not going to so does this i mean i i guess for i i think it just, i'm so sorry to interrupt the flow of conversation no it's okay i just i think it feels a little more personal i think for fans as well it's gonna be pretty chaotic there at the carter i there's Probably gonna be a lot of SMU fans, a lot of TCU fans chirping at each other. That this game is this game's gonna be intense. I'm really excited for it. I bet, I bet you there's gonna be bottled water though. I bet you we won't run out of that. Yeah, ho- hopefully oh, not. Yeah. That was that was bad last year. I didn't go to that game. Okay, but yeah, I was about to ask. Did you go in? At, at SMU, yeah, I was working press box for that one. Oh, okay, last year. did they have water in the press box? They did. Water, food, air conditioning. I loved it. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. You got the luxury. You know, the peasants were just dying downstairs. It, yeah. So know. it looked terrible from up top. So they ran out of water. Yeah, they ran out of water. I don't know if y'all recall, but it was like scorching hot that day. The 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 uh, the play clock stopped working because it was yes. so hot. Uh, I do remember that. Yep. 
Uh, and then there was like a lot of stories that came out how like there were fans waiting like half an hour after the game had started to come into the stadium because SMU was really excited about that game because they were coming off a win against TC the year before and then it was Sonny Dykes's return to the hilltop and then I they just weren't ready for it I don't I don't know uh, but that's kind of that's that's one of those things where I've seen a lot of a lot of TCU fans poking the bear it's like we won't run out of water at the Carter yeah, and and um, just just kind of going back to the personal side of this game, right? For both of these teams, I want to mention something that was said in the press conference that made me chuckle, to be honest. So, JP, uh, sorry, JP Richardson was talking to media this week on Tuesday, and he was asked about, you know, what does this game mean to him, especially as someone coming coming over from OSU, right? Someone that doesn't that that may not really fully understand what this local rivalry means, and. He said, well, Andrew Coker kind of put it perfectly, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically to the extent of SMU only exists to beat TCU. And that if they oh beat TCU, then their season is made. Oh if they lose gosh. a TCU, well, then their season is exactly what you know what unfolds after that. But I thought that was pretty funny. It's it's just it's it's classic TCU SMU banter. You love to see it. And I, I and I'm happy that some of these players feel this way too. It's good to see that these players are like, yeah. That's right. SMU wants to beat us, and we know what they're going to bring, so we just got to be more excited on Saturday. Yeah, I can verify that that's actually what was said. That made my jaw drop a little. I was like, whoa, that is some you know, some real— cause you don't really, Yeah, because you don't really see that from TCU. They're all—most of the time, when we go to these press conferences, they're very classy. You know, it's and it's not like that wasn't classy. It's just that was something you didn't really expect. <laughs> Yes. That's yes. What they were. That was, yeah, that was awesome. But I, I, I think it's really interesting that that's kind of how they approach it. It's, it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be a fun game. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, these horned frogs are. You know, there's, there's a little bad side to the horned frogs here. We got our little uh, horns coming out. So. Yeah. The they're they're ready to fight. Spit some blood. Yeah. Spit some blood out of the eyes. Yeah. Exactly. Out of defense. So let's. Get into score predictions. What do you guys, who do you guys see going out on top? I'll go first. I'll, I'll go first. I think TCU will win this game 41 to 38. I think with a shootout. And I think Griffin Kell will kick the game winning field goal. I hope I'm right. Man. From 61 yards? Not from 61. I don't know the yardage. I, I didn't think that. I just think that's going to happen. But like I said, I think it's going to be a shootout, close game, 41 38. The Frogs win. All right. For me, I'm going a little slightly more low scoring. I think we're going to see a big – it's either going to start off slow or start off hot and then slow down. But I'm saying TCU 31-24. to I think TCU can do it. I want to see this defense. Again, this is going to be – this is going to be a solid test for this TCU defense against an SMU offense that is experienced, especially with Preston Stone. We know what they have there. But I'm going TCU 31-24. It won't be a comfortable game. I think we'll be ahead for most of it. I don't think we'll have to make any sort of big comeback. But 31-24 TCU, Froggies take this one. I'm very happy to eat crow with what I'm about to say. I'm very bullish on Preston Stone and his ability to lead an offense. Oh my my God. score prediction is SMU 35, TCU 31. Boo. Wait, 35-21? 31. Okay, 31. 35-31. But, as a, and I want this to, because this is... On the internet, this is over the broadcast way. I want the statement that I said before the score prediction that I will ha- be happy. I will be glad. I will be rooting for TCU obviously to win the football game 
and I don't think we even have a like a scoreboard on whether or not our score predictions are right. Is this a game? Maybe we should make it a game. We should. Yeah, we should go back to our last two weeks and see. Yeah, we'll do that after. Uh, we'll we'll act, let's start that next week after yeah. this one if I get this one wrong, which I hope I do. But I, my yeah. gut is telling me SMU thirty five, TCU thirty one. Well, Seth, I hope you are so wrong, and I just want to say this: it's nice to have a college football rivalry because with all the conferences shifting we're kind of losing that a little bit so it is nice that we are sort of getting this rivalry this week it's going to be a fun one tcu versus smu at 11 a.m at the carter that will wrap up our college football talk in the second hour we will have nfl talk unfortunately with a lot of injuries but we'll recap this last week because it was a lot going on you're listening to riff ram review right here on 88.7 the choice Aw, you know kids will be kids. Oh, I don't know why they're trying to make a big deal of it. It's just a harmless rite of passage. If she didn't want to be picked on, she shouldn't wear that thing on her head. If he's going to dress that way, he's just asking for the extra attention. It's just a stage. All kids face some bullying. They'll get over it. That girl, she just brings it on herself. I don't feel bad for her at all. Huh, you know. It's just a stage. All kids face some bullying. It's just a stage. It's just a harmless rite of passage. Don't validate. Eliminate. All students in Texas deserve a safe learning environment without the threats of bullying. I'm Noel Candelaria, president of the Texas State Teachers Association. It's up to us as educators, as parents, as adults to stand up on behalf of bullied students. Identify, intervene, and advocate. One caring adult can make all the difference. Visit nea.org slash bullyfree, a message from the Texas State Teachers Association. Review everybody here on KTCU on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. We just finished up hour one of two, and the, and in, in in the last hour, excuse me, we talked pretty much all TCU football, all NCAA football, recapping TCU Houston, looking at NCAA week two, looking ahead to week three, and then definitely talking in depth about SMU TCU. That game is going to be Pretty sweet. That's this Saturday at Amon G. Carter Stadium. But now we're going to shift the focus to some NFL talk. Week two of the NFL was just past us, and now we got to look forward to week three. But there are some really good games in this last weekend of the NFL season. A couple of injuries. Just got to mention Austin Eckler picked up an ankle injury against the Titans. Nick Chubb with a nasty knee injury against the Steelers. Really tough for those guys and their teams, hoping that they have a good, speedy recovery. But never want to see those injuries, especially to guys that are just such really good players, good guys. It's 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 definitely tough to see. Yeah, really hard to see that Nick Chubb injury and just praying for the best. Hopefully he can make a recovery, he can get back on the field next season. But now kind of focusing on some of the games, we want to start off right here in the Metroplex. The Dallas Cowboys dominated the Jets to a 30-10 to victory on Sunday. I, I got to be honest, I'm going to kind of give a little, uh, just, just a brief shout out to Brandon Aubrey, their kicker, five field goals in the win against the Jets. Whoever had him on their fantasy team must have just felt like it was Christmas morning. I don't know anyone that did, so I... <laughs> I know. That, that's what's sad about it, though. Exactly. I, I picked him up, though. After that performance, I did. That dude was kicking that football. I, I, I was honestly really impressed because 
Last year in the playoffs, it was rough to watch Brett Maher, so it's nice to have a steady, consistent kicker. Hopefully, I didn't just jinx him. But yeah, that was a great win for the Cowboys, winning 30-10. to Of course, the hype around this game sort of deflated after the Aaron Rodgers injury. Zach Wilson coming in on basically five days to prepare for arguably the best defense in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys. They made that a point of emphasis. They pressured Zach Wilson a lot in this football game, made him uncomfortable. The running game was absolutely non-existent for the Jets. Dalvin Cook had a costly fumble. And overall, this was once again just a strong statement win for the Dallas Cowboys going up against a really good Jets defense, and they succeeded pretty well on the ground and in the air. Yeah, I I mean, this Cowboys defense, um, I just pulled up a stat on my computer the Jets' offense went one for ten on third down. I mean, you really got to have a strong defense. It doesn't matter who you're going up against, but for the Cowboys to force the Jets to going ten percent efficiency on third downs is pretty remarkable. But again, I think this was it was a statement saying, "Look, Week One was great, and coming up against an offense, yes, minus Aaron Rodgers, but still a talented offense." offensive core with their wide receivers this was a statement saying look last week wasn't necessarily a fluke we're still here to play and our defense was just as good and our offense was just as exciting yeah Micah Parsons is the front runner for defensive player of the year if not the most valuable player award at this point uh there were many times in this game where uh, he lined up on the outside and then did a nice little move and before Zach Wilson knew it he was in his lap and uh I gotta give the the guy credit because uh, when the Cowboys drafted him, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I won't, I'm not going to say I doubted it, uh, but it wasn't, you know, who I thought they were going to pick at that point. But a slam dunk draft pick right now for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and he's not the only guy because there's so much depth on that on that front four, even the front seven for the Cowboys. That when you double team, we saw this in the Giants game and a little bit in the Jets game, you can't double team Parsons because if you double team him, then you're just going to leave someone else vulnerable. Uh, the Odigazuas of the world and other people like that on the on the line that can get into the uh, get in the pocket quickly and sack the quarterback. So there's nothing that you can really do. And as long as that front seven stays healthy, the the defense for the Cowboys is going to carry them across the finish line. Yeah, and then you ha- you're strong up front, and then in the secondary you're just as strong. I think Stephon Gilmore didn't have his best game, but I really like what I saw from Trayvon Diggs, Jaron Curse. You have so many players that are so versatile on the defensive side of the ball and like you said Seth Micah Parsons is just a spec it's he's a spectacle it's unbelievable what he is able to do on the field how quickly he's able to get to the quarterback with a variety of techniques he's so fast off the ball his timing is perfect it's truly amazing to watch and I think that reflects on the rest of the defense I was mesmerized by how this defense has performed, it seems they've gotten even better compared to last it's, season. It's gotten to the point where I don't even like watching the offense play because I just <laughs> want to see the defense on the field. Well, and the offense did pretty good as well. Dak Prescott almost had a pick six, but he didn't. You don't get almost interceptions. Those do not count in the NFL. He went 31 of 38, 255 yards and two touchdowns. He looks like a completely different quarterback this season. His footwork is, they mentioned it throughout the broadcast, his footwork is so much better. He's progressing through his reads, taking the checkdowns. He's doing everything that a veteran quarterback should be doing, and 
it may seem crazy, but Dak Prescott is a veteran quarterback at this point. He's been in the league since 2016, but he looks so much better this season and in this game. He's really getting that chemistry down with C.D. Lamb. He's incredible in the open field, making defenders miss. Dak had a great game, and as much as we want to talk about the defense, Mike McCarthy's new uh, Texas Coast offense seems to be working pretty well. And yeah, that's kind of Texas does have a coast, so there is some validity <laughs> to that to yeah. that statement. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe he completed his first fourteen passes. Is that? Yeah, it was sound like right? thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, yeah so he's very uh, awesome performance from uh, the Prescott-led Cowboys. Uh, really, you know, just in an NFC East that's proved that looks like it might be pretty tough, and we can get to that right now if y'all want to pivot over to the yeah. Commanders yes. Broncos game. I want to talk about this sucker. That was uh, one heck of a game commanders beating the broncos 35 to 33 that was one heck of a game and just a little quick nugget last time the commanders started 2-0 rex grossman was the quarterback back in 2011 with head coach mike shanahan at the wheel you know it's crazy <laughs> the year after that i is not if you're watching along on youtube zion's mouth is a gape <laughs> It is It is on the floor. Rex Grossman <laughs> yeah. is a name I have not heard in so long. That's that what just I'm unlocked a memory I forgot existed. That's crazy. Uh, do you have their final record for that season? Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. It. it I mean, I, I don't think it turned out to be very no, good. No, it didn't because they had Was the it number— Was like five they and the, something? Well, they had the number two overall pick the next season and drafted oh, Robert Griffin the third. Yeah, that wow, that's crazy. But the NFC East is gross. Yeah, five that, and eleven started out two and zero. Oh, then you go three and eleven for the rest of the way. Typical Washington. Typical oh, Washington. Shit. Yeah, the, Sell NF- the cards. The NFC is the NFC East is extremely stacked. We all know what the Eagles can do. The Giants, they got their butts whooped in Week One, but they barely bounced back against Arizona. The G men. Yeah. So I think. Every win's going to be super critical, and I think one of these teams, this is my prediction, and it's probably either going to be Dallas or Philly, I think one of these two teams will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I. and then in, in terms of talking about this game, I mean, I don't think I've seen a crazier end to this game or in, in football for, for quite a while. A 50-yard touchdown pass. It was deflected big time. It was a ping pong. It was a ping pong ball up in the air for a little while there. And then you're down by two, and you go for two, and ah, like, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that's, that's that's exactly what I want. That sums up Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. I mean, what's going on? What what are you guys' thoughts? I mean, obviously, we'll we'll, we'll touch on the game a little bit, but. Where's this Broncos team going? They get Sean Payton, Russell Wilson. Maybe last year was a fluke, yada, yada, yada. But now you're starting 0-2. And you lost to a Washington Commanders team who, first of all, I don't want to take any credit away from, but it wasn't a team that anyone was particularly scared about. What What are your guys' thoughts on the Broncos right now, where, where, where they might end up? Uh, I honestly, you know, there's the stat out there that teams that start the season 0-2, I don't have the exact number in my head, but they have a very slim shot of you know making the postseason. I believe the first one of the first teams to start the season 0-2 and make the playoffs in quite some time was the Bengals last year yep. when they started 0-2. So certainly an uphill climb in an AFC West that has some, you know, uh, it's not, you know, the, the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos 
and the Chiefs. The Chiefs obviously the uh, the favorite to win that, but the those other three teams are I'd say on the same ish playing field. Yep. Right. Uh, you saw a close game with the Raiders. They beat the Broncos, and then the Chargers. Uh, or, or lulling me to sleep. Come on, guys. What are we doing over there? But anyway, the Broncos, uh, I think there's certainly some bright spots. Russell Wilson hasn't played like he did last year. It's been better, right? You've definitely seen that Peyton offense come into play. They had this game in hand, and then they just gave it away. And then uh, the commanders I'm talking of, and then the commanders almost gave it away again, but uh, got away with pass interference on the two-point conversion to win the win the football game. But I think that the ceiling for the Broncos, if that is the end-all, be-all question that you're asking there, yeah. Ian, uh, right now probably uh, i got to readjust my math because it's a 17 yeah, no, season. It, it's so hard. Uh, it is. You have to adjust. Yeah. Uh, six and 11. That's where I had them, yeah. I would be very happy if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, first of all, the quarterback play, Sam Howell, and I think Russell Wilson did have a good game. Their offensive line is pretty trash i'm not gonna lie like it was not russell wilson was under pressure a lot during that game and javante williams had 12 carries for 44 yards and i think part of the problem is is yeah they brought in a new head coach but they kind of just said hey let's run it back with the same offense that we had last year and like yeah you have some talent there jerry judy went healthy is a pretty solid receiver. Cortland Sutton is never healthy, so I'm not even going to, you know, unfortunately, this is just the case. But they just said, hey, let's run it back and let Russ cook with pretty limited weapons on the offensive end. So that's kind of where their problem is, is they didn't really make a ton of adjustments. I will say side. this. It is better because... The crowd in Denver is not counting down the play clock with the offense this year. So we have improved. A a step in the right direction. (laughs) Have improved indeed. There are there were a lot of other games that I want to talk about and not even like the games themselves. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about the Seahawks and Lions game. That was a good time. I was so sad for the Lions, man. I wanted the Lions to start out two and zero this season so bad. Yeah, I think we're so bad. I think the whole NFL is like Lions fans. I'm talking to America here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that happened during the game where once again Geno Smith was in the middle of a hot mic picking him up, and this time it was with the refs, and that was an all-time response by the ref. I'm talking to America right now. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. He was indeed. He was. But, yeah, I did feel for the Lions, and but Seattle, they obviously have a good football team as well. No, I mean, credit to Seattle. I mean, I'm, I'm someone that was really excited for Geno Smith when he first came into the league, what, back in 2014, was it? 2014, I think was name where... that college, Geno Smith. Oh, I um mm. oh Cal. Big, big, no, Big no. Twelve, Big Twelve. Wait, Big Twelve, Texas Tech. No, oh, it, shoot. it was. Why do I keep thinking Cal? You it's have not... the right color scheme, by the way. It's West Virginia. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah. that's yes. why is the Navy. I was like, it's Cal, right? No, yeah, West Virginia. Okay. That's right. Well, I mean, Geno Smith is someone that I've always rooted for, but when it comes to playing the Lions, I always want to see the Lions win. That's just me. I love Dan Campbell. I think Jared Goff has got has has gotten a really bad rap over his career. Speaking of Cal quarterbacks, yeah, exactly. But no, I was definitely sad to see the Lions lose. Um, that was a tough one because because that wasn't an overtime one, was it? Yes, it was. It was okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah the overtime rules strike again. The Seahawks yep. get the ball to open the overtime and they score a touchdown, and Jared Goff never sees the football. Yep, it's a shame. But moving on, talking about a team that's struggling too. Bengals are 0-2. 
it's gotten from bad to worse. I mean, I guess the only bright spot really is that Joe Burrow was actually able to find T. Higgins now. But he won't be able to find him again, maybe because his calf is dying a very painful death. I say that, obviously, that is hyperbole. His calf is just strained. It did not go into outer space, but... (laughs) Joe Burrow's calf, and he said it like coming into the game or after the game. He said, "Yeah, I was battling this calf injury coming into the game, and then he reaggravated it, and now it's like it was in the you know training camp when he injured it the first time. Didn't get yeah. to play any in the preseason. I don't know if he would have anyway, but he didn't get to practice that much. And now the Bengals might not be without uh, the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League." Yeah, no, it's it's definitely tough for the Bengals, and again, I mean, it's it's whether it's just something with Joe Burrow's, you know, overall health or whatever. But if you don't have an offensive line, you can't take care of your quarterback properly. And I don't know how many times Cincinnati needs to be punched in the mouth to know it. It just feels like every single year we're yeah. in the exact same spot. Deja vu, twenty-one. Joe Burrow got hit the most times last year. They thought they addressed it. Uh, and then it was like it's the same story, and then here he is, he's under attack again. Yeah, no, it's 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 really unfortunate to see, especially with such a good quarterback like Joe Burrow. Um, but we're we're running out, we're excuse me, we're running out of time here. But I want to talk about this Giants team real quick. Poor Giants fans, they've been they were shut out for the first six quarters of the 2023 NFL season. What an odd stat to see that like uh, on 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 my feed. What was the number? So forty nothing. And then they were 20, down 28, so, 20 to nothing. So they were down 60 to nothing. Yeah. And then they make one heck of a comeback, 31 to 28 over the Arizona Cardinals, who are just in a in a doozy themselves right now. But they do lose Saquon Barkley for multiple weeks. Exactly. A, uh, they called it a, and this was very odd, I love uh, injury names because they're either cryptic or... They're, they're always very cryptic. They called it a normal ankle sprain, whatever that means. I mean, to me, an, a normal ankle sprain would just be an ankle sprain, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what about this makes it normal? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. So now Matt Breida is oh, taking the God. reins. Speaking of names that you haven't heard since 2017, Matt Breida. Yeah, that's definitely a tough loss for the Giants, but I think it's something that they've dealt with in the past. And yeah, it's their offense is taking a hit, but we'll see. I mean, they, they have to bounce back, so they really don't have a choice. They have a really tough schedule coming up guys too yes. it's a like they had to beat arizona to even have even feel good about their season because it could they could be two and five or or, or one and six easily here coming up down the stretch yeah no i mean next uh, actually sorry not next week but tomorrow they're playing the niners then up next seahawks dolphins and the bills so four real tough matchups there for the giants but in the next segment, we're going to look ahead to week three of the NFL season. we got some great games on tap. Cowboys, Cardinals, Chargers, Vikings is going to be a really important game for, 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 for both of those teams. And then we're going to take a look at my Las Vegas Raiders, who are really looking to bounce back against some terrible towels. So stay here on 88.7 The Choice. You're listening to Riff Ram Review on KTCU The Choice. I don't believe it. My savings are gone. They're gone. You're kidding. Nope, they're gone. They're gone, gone. Okay, all right. Think about it. Where did you have them last? I remember I was home, then I took them, and then I spent them on that vacation to Aruba. Then I bought this miniature suit of armor I saw in the in-flight magazine. And that's the last you saw of your savings? Yes. This is so weird. I know, right? Weird? 
Uh, not really. Not saving now means no money later. You'd be surprised how quickly a little money from every paycheck can really add up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. The armor is cool, though. Oops. I think I broke its gauntlet. You broke my favorite part. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. How's it going, everyone? I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We got into some NFL talk week two. We're going to get into week three. The NFL season's really coming along now. We're, we're getting closer to October, which is the best month of the year for sports, in my opinion. But this week, we have two Monday night football games. Again, That I don't know if that's ever happened. In week three, two Monday night games, we have the Eagles and the Buccaneers, then the Rams and the Bengals. I don't know about you guys. I'm not really a fan. It just sucks. It sucks because there's like a, what? Isn't there like a one-hour overlap between the games? Yep. And it's just, it's a pain. I don't know. I mean, Monday night football, it's prime time. There's a reason why the game's on Monday. It's because everyone's supposed to tune into. Hey, that game, not oh yeah. Here's 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 two more games. Yeah, and that Carolina Panthers Saints game was a snooze fest. So. I have no idea what happened in that game. You Let's go, Derek Carr. You yeah. couldn't even like ask me, uh, like if you asked me a trivia question about that football game, I wouldn't know. You don't want to know why? Because I was watching the Browns, who were wearing all white jerseys, Ooh. play the Steelers. Yeah. Now this week there is a little more intrigue. There's. Both of these games have a lot of appeal because the Rams seem to be playing a little bit better than people expected. But the first game we're going to be talking about is the Cowboys versus the Cardinals. Two teams on complete opposite trajectories. The Cowboys at 2 and 0, they've outscored their op- opponents 70 to 10. Arizona is 0 and 2. So this is kind of a a trap game as if you would if you will for the Cowboys in that they may feel that they've got this game wrapped up before they even stepped onto the field. So it's pretty important that the Cowboys take care of business, get to 3-0 and before week four. I think they play the Chargers anyways. But, yeah, this is an important game, I think, just for the Cowboys to not get too overconfident. They play the Patriots, by the way. Uh, the uh, Cardinals opened up the season with three games against the NFC East. That's odd. Yes, I, I was just going to say that. That's I, odd. My, my face, for, for those on YouTube— I, I I was just kind of bamboozled. I was like, well, that's kind of odd. Well, I've, I, I've never I, seen that. I before looked at the schedule and I was like, please play the Eagles. Please play the Eagles next week. Please, they play the 49ers. So the schedule makers <laughs> almost gave us a little present of a weird, you know, they've been the schedule makers. You know, the the bourgeoisie up in the NFL league office <laughs> are giving us some scheduling nuggets this year. They got two Monday night football games back to back weeks, and then they almost gave us, you know, the quadruple NFC as NFC East, you know, meal for the Cardinals. They they just couldn't do it. That's a tough meal. Like I, I don't for Arizona, they're they're getting feasted on if that was the case, and they they probably will on Sunday. The Cardinals uh, also they are tanking. We all know this. So the Cardinals are actively tanking. Their next one, two, three, four, five, six games, not in prime time, but they are all at three thirty. So the NFL's like. 
do they value the well those games are all against pre pretty good opponents as well but also like i feel like the cardinals are a team that we shelve at noon and hope no one watches them yeah maybe they just are gonna the secondary fox and cbs games that nobody's really gonna pay attention to because i feel like for me at least i pay way more attention to the first slate of games by the time i get to the second slate if it's not my team i'll watch one game whatever you know, it's a more intriguing game between Fox and CBS, and I kind of don't care about the others, in my opinion. That's I mean, are, are are we are are we really surprised though with the Cardinals showing up the way that they did after seeing Jonathan Gannon come in and go? <laughs> I mean, when a coach comes into that like setting, like making that first impression is huge, and then you see that you're like, okay, well, I don't think they're gonna do well this season. I think, frankly, they're gonna suck. Kyler Murray said, I'll just tear my ACL again. I'll, I'll be out for the year yeah. twice over. And now I'm curious to see is what they'll do with potentially getting Caleb Williams. Do you think Caleb Williams' dad is going to let him go? to? Because Caleb Williams' He's dad be seems pretty, year pretty involved. He, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to stay at USC, yeah. and I'm going I'm to wait <laughs> yeah. for someone else. Yeah, that's true. He could do NIL that. money. Yeah. Pure enjoyment of the game still. Those Wendy's commercials. I mean, yeah. you get. He gets to be in a commercial with Matt Liner. Who wouldn't want to be in a commercial with Matt Liner? Yeah. So, anyways, we really. So, I think it's important for. <laughs> We've gone off track. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's important for the Cowboys that they take care of business here. We move on to the next game with Ian's Las Vegas Raiders. They take on Pittsburgh, Ian. The floor is yours. Yeah, you know, looking for the Raiders to bounce back. It was a tough game against Buffalo this weekend. I didn't expect it to be as one-sided as it was. But then again, after the Bills kind of got showed up against the Jets, it was also kind of at the same time exactly what I expected out of uh, Sean uh, um, Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen played really well, completely cut the Raiders' defense up just like a hot knife through butter. Um the, the the Raiders defensive line had zero pressure on Josh Allen. And I think for the Raiders, right, you come off of this game against the Broncos where, you know, fortunate, fortunately, thanks to some special teams miscues with Will Lutz missing the field goals and, you know, obviously winning 17 to 16, though, maybe it was a false sense of security saying, hey, look, we, we put together a good game. We, 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 we won a game that we didn't play our best in, but we still won. But now this shows what the Raiders can can can't do against a team that's a true contender, right? And I, I and I feel as a Raider fan, I hate saying this, but I got a little too excited after the Broncos win. Um, and it really shows where that golfing class is between the Raiders and a team like the Bills. But I'm really hoping we can bounce back against the Steelers. We need to protect Jimmy a little more. Just our offensive line was run through like there is no tomorrow. And Unfortunately for for Jimmy Garoppolo, he didn't get the chance to really show off what he could do in this game because he was under pressure so much. So, yeah, I think it's there's definitely that week one excitement, and I think that's totally valid. You picked up a win against Denver, went up against a really good team in against Buffalo, but now, I I in my opinion, I think the Raiders are a little better than the Steelers, but it does kind of feel like they're in similar situations and. I'm curious to see what Pittsburgh's defense, because they had a fantastic game against Cleveland with TJ Watt, and I'm blanking on the other 
linebacker or defensive end's name, and I cannot remember. I don't even know what the name is. Yeah, he was. He had a really good game, and I I feel bad because I can't remember. Steelers defensive ends. Um, I, I I I have not. You're no drawing blanks. Here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, it's. I think it's important for the Raiders to bounce back. They're lucky right now because the Chiefs don't necessarily look to. And I hate. I don't want. I'm not saying that they're not going to be good because they will be, but they don't look amazing so far. The Chargers, my gosh, they are just unbelievably disappointing. They're charging. Yeah, and Denver just, yeah. It's, it's Denvering. It's Denvering. So <laughs> this is an opportunity for the Raiders to pounce on this and say, look, AFC West is kind of in shambles right now. It is. We need to take a chance and, and win this game against a beatable Steelers team. You know who's not running through like a hot knife through butter? Najee Harris. He is running very slow. Yeah. Did y'all see that video? I've seen a lot of TikToks of like, I'm convinced I can run faster than Najee Harris right now. Yeah. And I'm not here to pick on Najee, but uh, that's the one and only takeaway I took away from that uh, Steelers-Browns game, other than that Deshaun Watson didn't play that great and that Nick Chubb is injured. And Minka Fitzpatrick also uh, hurt in that game, so interested to see if he comes back and plays against uh, your Raiders. Yeah, again. hopefully not. I'm really hoping we can get the running game going. That's something that we haven't really done. Um, Josh Jacobs, we what I think we just franchise tagged him, so he still needs to play for a contract for next season. Um, had a great season last year, but against this Bills defense, it just wasn't there. Um, I think he finished, frankly, I think he finished with negative yards on the ground. Um, Jacobs? Me, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, let's see. Josh Jacobs, nine carries for negative two yards. Wow. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, Ian. Uh, I'm not a you know a Raiders expert by any means, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you can't win football games when your star running back is getting negative two yards. That's bold. <laughs> that's a I hot know. take. I'm yeah. here for the hot takes. Yeah. Call me Cal- Colin Cowherd. Call me you know Stephen that's, Smith. That's a bold take. That's that's bold. Yeah. Well, but moving on. I mean, th- this next game is a game that matters really. I mean, just just exponentially for both of these teams chargers and vikings both zero and two the loser becomes zero and three and perhaps misses out on the playoffs oh yeah my goodness gracious these two teams are just disappointing yeah with minnesota with jeff justin jefferson having that touchback when their offense was moving down the field yeah th- this is a really big game for both teams i personally I like the Chargers more as a team, but I think Minnesota probably can win this game. It's they're, The Vikings running game is non-existent. I'm sorry. I don't understand why they thought that Alexander Madison was going to be the guy that can handle all those touches. Because, yeah, he was good when Dalvin Cook was hurt, but now he's going to be the lead rusher for this team. He does he, I don't know. His quickness isn't there. I, I, it's just a weird situation there. But I think the Vikings will win. It's just been pretty brutal, and the Chargers' problems continue to persist from last year. I'd like to see Justin Herbert come up with some clutchness here in this game. We have not had. We are really lacking in Justin Herbert moments to point to lately in the recent games that he's played that make me confident 
in uh, his ability here. I not saying that Justin Herbert is not a good quarterback. I am well aware that he is a quality arm for the Chargers, but it just seems like ever since that Jacksonville game in the playoffs that the Chargers and Justin Herbert himself have not been able to, you know, come up with that last drive to really, you know, they've had two chances in the last two games Justin Herbert and that offense has to go out there and win the game in a clutch spot in the fourth quarter or overtime, and they haven't. Yeah, I mean, and and kind of looking at this Vikings team, I guess on the on the other side of the conversation, right? I mean, this Vikings team has had such a good foundation on offense and, and, and especially defense. I mean, let's not forget the Vikings defense from a couple years ago was really solid, but their offense, they've, I mean, Kirk Cousins has been there for who knows how long. They've seen the likes of, Adam Thielen come through. TJ Hawkinson is now there. Obviously, Thielen's no longer there, but Justin Jefferson is their main guy there. Had Dalvin Cook. No more Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison's now RB1. But this team, no matter how much you give them, no matter what names are on the depth chart starting each week, they can't put it together. And, I mean, I think we're finally seeing, you know, so I feel like the Vikings, at the end of every season, they just— they 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 wallow away in a really lame way. They yeah. they they limp to the end of the season, maybe get into the playoffs, maybe not, but whatever it is, it's a disappointing end. This is that starting the season. It's not what I thought at all of of what Minnesota could do to start the season, but at the same time, I'm not really I'm 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 not shocked about this start. Yeah, and the Chargers are really going to be missing Austin Eckler because he's such a big part of this offense. I don't know if he is playing or not, but Minnesota's run defense just got shredded by DeAndre Swift, who to me is not that great. Really? I don't think he's that good. I think, yes, I will give him credit. He had 175 yards, but his reads, his ability to see openings is not always at an NFL running back level in my opinion i think that's why detroit got rid of him but yeah their their defense run defense got shredded minnesota's so that's kind of a weakness there and they, i'm sure they miss austin eckler they have joshua kelly there but yeah it's looking uh not good for eckler from what i've seen uh for him playing this week for all you fantasy heads so just watch out for that uh, and chargers fans i guess uh yeah you know the Vikings, back to your point, Ian, and this will be the final thing I think we say here about this game, is that it kind of shows you for a team that played on the margins a lot last year, a lot of one-score wins, a lot of, you know, relying on some things that might not be in their control, the ball to bounce the right way for them, that sometimes you can get those violent swings back and forth. It's much like a baseball team who wins a lot of one-run games or, or loses a lot of one-run games. It's not very indicative of how good or bad they are as a team. They're probably more somewhere in the middle. But when you play so much on those margins and you play so much on the edge, sometimes you're just not the ball's not going to bounce the right way for you. And in a sport where it's an oblong ball that literally bounces in different directions every single time, it's sometimes not going to fall the right way for you, and that's kind of what we're seeing from the Vikings. They haven't necessarily played bad. They also haven't necessarily played good. They're just not getting the breaks much like they did last season. We're excited for week three. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to come up with our next segment, 
talking about fantasy football and the highs and lows that comes of being a fantasy football manager. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review, live from the KTCU studios here in Fort Worth. I'm Ian Napish, and joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. Thank you so much for listening in and tuning in. If you guys are driving back home after a long days of work, we really appreciate it. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or tuning in on YouTube, we appreciate the support. Make sure to hit us up there on Instagram and TikTok as well, at Riff Ram Review. But now let's get into our last segment We've got to cover some fantasy football. Gentlemen, gentlemen, excuse me. How are your guys' teams doing so far? Please never sing like that again. Actually, I take that back. Let's keep doing it. Because uh, the first time we did that on on show numero uno, it was only Ian that came in and started singing Jack Harlow. And now you have joined him, Zion. Yeah, I had to, okay? Bruno Mars is one of my favorite artists, singers of all time, so I had to. But um, yeah, my fantasy teams, yeah, they're they're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So here's I'm gonna present something unique, and this is something that maybe you know not too many people are involved in. I'm in a 18 team fantasy league, gentlemen. 18 teams. It is with one of my classes here. I'm a sports broadcasting major, so you know I'm we're in a we're in for a class an 18 team league. I got the fifth pick. I got Christian McCaffrey, which I was more than happy with that. I got Jalen Hurts as well. Amari Cooper's my wide receiver one, and the rest is, well, I'm one and one, okay? I'm doing okay. That's good. I, I won by like .5 in my last hey. in my last matchup. Yeah, I had a situation where I had Cam Akers. Now, for you fantasy owners that have Cam Akers on your team, you realize if you had him starting – they announced he was inactive when the games started. And so I didn't all my running backs on the bench already started. So I didn't have a second running back. I go to the waiver wire, and the only guy that's available is, well, Kendra Miller. And he didn't play. So I got a zero from my You still won the game though, correct? I still won. And okay. I got a zero from the Jets defense. So Dang. negative one, actually. I think they I think it was in the negatives. Yeah. Because I have the Jets defense and I was like, "All right, Cowboys, please score." It was no bueno. Yeah, it's so I was okay with that though. But I'm glad I got the win. I'm two and zero in my other leagues, uh, so we're off to a really strong start. It's 
I think this year for fantasy football, it's the stra- the zero running back strategy is paying off because there are a lot of running backs that are already hurt. And if you stacked up on receivers, you're doing pretty good. I'm yeah. doing okay. I'm 0-2 in one league, which is not good. We are very sad about that here in the Dowdle household. I'm 1-1 <laughs> in my other one, though. And I'm quite impressed with myself here in this league that I'm 1-1 in. My secondary voice of the Rotors team is doing better than it should for a guy who forgot the draft was happening many, oh. many times during the draft. I wow. would routinely, you know, I drafted like my first pick, I drafted it, put my phone down, and then 15 minutes would go by, and then there would be this awakening in myself where I'd be like, oh my gosh, the draft's happening. So I, then I look at my draft and I'd be like, Miles Sanders, why did we take Miles Sanders in the third round? Yeah, oh you're, that, so you're that guy that said, oh, I forgot, I'm drafting. I'm up next. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I on did. the clock. I did, but we're one and one, and I probably should have won this last week uh, had not... Uh, a couple of players had some stinky performances, including the Eagles' defense, who I thought would do a little bit better, and Tyreek Hill, who underperformed his you know projected points, which I didn't expect to happen often. And it just happened to come on the week where I lost by 1.84 points. Oh, God. that's the worst, because you're like, oh, if they had just ran for like 20 more yards, or they picked well, up one more reception. I literally won. one more catch, and it could have been for one yard and yeah. win the game. You would have been golden. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what's funny is that in certain leagues, right, PPR, sometimes some leagues do half-point PPR, for full point, but you can get a reception for zero for zero yards or even a loss and still get points back for it. Yeah, which I prefer because you want to favor, you want to give yeah. reward. We like offense. Yeah, we, we like We offense. want points. I'm 0-2, as I said, in the other league. Uh, We're not going to talk about that one. I uh, thought that team was going to be really good. I I have no explanation to why it's not. Yeah, bounce back. But Ian, you're shaking your head right now. Let's talk about it. What's going on here with fantasy football? It's a bad look. The A's suck right now. The Raiders are coming off of a loss. Hopefully TCU will get a win this weekend. Hey guys, can I play the sound effect for Ian's teams? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> the third time—that's that's for three of my teams. Actually, I'm zero and two in three leagues. Brutal. And two and zero and one. One of the zero and two leagues. I just I just want to read out my team. Okay, this is everybody that I drafted. This has no one that I picked up, and anyone that I picked up off of waiver wires is not included. So this is just to clarify, this team is 0-2. Yes, this okay. team is 0-2. All right. Josh Allen, Kenneth Walker, Brian Robinson Jr., Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, Isaiah Pacheco, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Mike Williams, Adam Thielen, who sucks, Travis Kelsey, George <laughs> Kittle, Michael Pittman Jr., Bill's defense, and Harrison Butker. Okay. I'm only laughing because literally on the Google document that the team listed on, he said Adam Thielen, and then Ian said he sucks. He has that in parentheses next to Adam Thielen's name. (laughs) The only guy with parentheses next to his name is Adam Thielen, and it just says he sucks. Bro wants all the smoke with Adam Thielen. I am shocked, personally. You are stacked at the running back position. You have Kenneth Walker and Aaron Jones. You have a couple guys that are hurt. 
But even crazier, you have Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. You went with the double tight end th- thing there, and you still have AJ Brown. How many people? Are, how many people are in this league? Because how did you end up with George Kittle 12? and Travis Kelsey? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you ended up. So I'm with, drafting with people that clearly didn't know how to they, draft. Yeah, and I'm still 0 two with Kelsey and Kittle and Brian Robinson, Kenneth Walker, all these guys. I'm just well, yeah. Let's play a fun game here and come up with excuses for each of these players right off the fly. I, I'm coming up with this right now. Here we go. Josh Allen, new girlfriend, Haley Steinfeld, a little distracted. He's really? Yeah. Oh. Oh wait, I did hear that. That's Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. I was like, wait, oh yeah, that's right. Josh Allen. We no, just took a run. We are not gonna head. no, we're not gonna blame Haley Steinfeld, okay? We're not blaming Well, let's her. keep going here. Kenneth Walker. Uh coming back from broken leg. There we go. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., he got shot last year. Yeah. Okay. Aaron Jones. Questionable. Questionable. He's Just hurt. Messed up his hammy. David Montgomery, also questionable. Injury prone. Isaiah Pacheco. On a team that doesn't like to run. Uh, A.J. Brown. Perhaps inconsistent just a little bit in the S- early going. Second fiddle to Devontae And he's Smith. yelling at his quarterback on the sideline. Chris Olave. Has the best quarterback in the league, Derek Carr. Okay. Well, already. Mike Williams. <sighs> Is on the Chargers. Adam Thielen. We've already Sucks. gone. We've already gone through that. Travis Kelsey. He's also a little distracted. He is. He's got some T Swift, man. He's very distracted. And he was hurt. <laughs> he's also yeah. hurt. And he, yeah, he's coming back from you know just a regular hyperextension of the knee. Uh, just just run of the mill. So George Kittle. I don't know. George Kittle's good, but I don't like the Niners. <laughs> What's Michael Pittman Jr. up to nowadays? Not catching footballs? Yeah, you know, every year I pick him saying, you know, I feel like this guy, this year he's going to break out. And then, <laughs> and then my team's 0-2. It's not a bad team. There's it's room not. for improvement. I think you'll be okay. But that there's truly, if you've played fantasy, I've played fantasy football for almost 10 years now. There's truly nothing worse than all your teams losing. Like, yeah, when your team, when your actual football team, like if the Cowboys lose, I'm just down bad. But Already then, upset. But then if your fantasy teams lose, oh, that's that's just like a whole nother level of pain. Well, especially if there's uh, a monetary value on the league that you're in and there's money put in. There and always then, is for me. Well, there, I mean, I'm not 21 yet, so there's no there's no money on mine. <laughs> I'm, I wish I <laughs> okay all right well there is for me and i'm 22 so you know um but no it's uh yeah fantasy football can just and what even is prize heart. picks and all this Sleeper. stuff fantasy what even is a what even is fantasy football you know what football is fantasy and we just need to leave it in that realm because uh our teams aren't doing that great ian and so we just need to leave that in the fantasy realm. I'm loving it right now. Like, my teams are on fire. I'm just, I'm a happy general manager right now of my fantasy football teams. You, and I got basketball coming up soon. Oh, I'm you're very, a fantasy basketball I am basketball and baseball. It like, takes a real sicko to do fantasy basketball. <laughs> I love it because I just love basketball, and I love just drafting with my friends. And, you know, it, it does take a lot of commitment. 
It yep. does. It does. One, I, I played fantasy basketball one year, and talking about commitment, I didn't look at the team at all, and one day I ended up in the playoffs, and I was like, hey, <laughs> well, let's we'll have a crack at this. I was in a, a four-team league in high school for fantasy football once, and the guy, there was this one kid, and he didn't draft, he didn't, he auto-drafted, and he routinely had empty slots in his starting lineup, and so... It's a four-team league, though, so everyone makes the playoffs in the end. Uh, oh, my God, so, that's right. Yes, so, I mean, I would hope so. so everyone, seating, seating. Everyone makes the playoffs. He doesn't pay attention at all. Again, it has empty slots in his lineup for the first two weeks of the playoff round. Uh, beats me somehow. He had This tight end slot was empty, and his flex position was empty. He beats me, makes it the championship game, and wins the whole thing. And I'm just sitting here like, all right, it's fine. There's no, like, I, I, I was flabbergasted. He didn't even know he won. That's he didn't insane. even know he was in the league. <laughs> That's crazy. We That's bad stuff. He, he accepted the email and didn't know what he was doing. It, it's kind of crazy how fantasy football, it's completely, well, it's not completely out of our control. You can set the lineup. You can have an idea of what team players are going to do. But we get so invested in something that's completely out of our control for the most part. It's, it's in the fantasy realm. It's all luck for the most part. And for some people it gets out of control for others, it's just like pure sadness. Like, yeah, I mean, it, happiness. Yeah, I, I think what's tough about it is that every year I get disappointed, but then I <laughs> come back against, you know, scarfing up 10 bucks to be like, oh, yeah, here we go. Another year, another, uh, you know, yeah. new me. <laughs> Trying to not go 0 2. It's like Cowboys fans. Like, this is our year. <laughs> you get to the playoffs, you get to the second round and uh, lose. Do so. y'all ever, like, feel like, though, when you've, you've built a good team, that you, do you have that? moment where you're like i could be an nfl general manager it's not that hard every year (laughs) (laughs) yeah we always think we could do a better job than our general managers that run our teams yeah it is nice that we don't have to spend money on players though you know you just pick them up on the waiver why you know yeah there are some leagues though where it's like there's a like a 50 dollar fee to pick someone off the waiver wire it's so stupid I, I, I don't know who in their right mind would have one of those. Yeah. Seriously. It'd have to be the only league that you're in, and you're, like, fully invested in that league, I would feel like. Yeah, like, I'm not going to, like, imagine today you spent $10 to pick up Kareem Hunt. <laughs> like, like I, the Browns I'm going to lose $10 on this season. <laughs> the, the Browns, yeah, they did, but, like, as a fantasy man, I don't know, that well, just... The the Browns spent four million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what the contract was for that, but yeah, fantasy football can be something else. It's and- taxing to. Uh, well, you know what? I'll I'll say this: fantasy football. We were kind of ragging on here a little bit. I will say this: it does bring a lot of investment for me in games that I would not have investment in otherwise. Yes. Yep. And it. It makes me buy Red Zone every year too, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So it that's why Same I, boat. that's part of the reason why the NFL is so popular is fantasy football. It does such a better job. It keeps audiences engaged. They come back every week to see how their players are doing. And it's actually done a really good job for the growth of football because fantasy basketball and baseball are not nearly as popular as football. And I enjoy it. I really do have a lot of fun with it. And it's it's great. Final so. thing here before we go. I think that we all three should commit to a fantasy hockey league and just see what happens. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I'm I, down. I'm making a commitment. I'm not a hockey guy, but I am going to be watching hockey this season. I'm going to start getting into hockey. So. And it wouldn't even be better if you had a fantasy hockey lineup yeah. to keep I'm gonna, tabs with I'm gonna every pick, day. I'm going to pick uh, Jason Robertson 
Ben, Ben from the Stars. Yeah. Ben from the Stars <laughs> two is, is Ian's favorite all, player. All I'm gonna do is take uh, Jason Robertson first overall, and I'm happy with my team. Well, all right, folks. Thank you for indulging us in a little bit of our fantasy football talk. And thank you so much if you guys were listening live on KTCU here on 88.7 The Choice, or if you're tuning in on YouTube, tuning in on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate all the support coming in. We will be back live next Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on KTCU. The uh, Sorry, excuse me. Here on KTCU The Choice. But be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Riff Ram Review for more content and updates. But for Zion Trammell, Seth Dowdle, I'm Ian Apetian, and we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.